Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. KSL News Time 345. The three things you need to know this hour first. We're just entering March and UDOT has already exceeded their annual plow budget, but they do have a plan to get through the rest of this winter. I'm KSL News Radio's Adam Small. Second, Utah's new state flag design now only needs a signature from the governor. The bill passed the legislature today. Third, our biggest traffic trouble spot. We do have some surface street problems. One is a crash at 13th East, 2200 South, an auto pedestrian accident, 3500 South, about 4800 West. And it sounds like we have a car that hit a building. This is going to be approximately 1400 West and 5600 South. Ricky Meese in the KSL Traffic Center. A chilly day on tap with highs in the mid-30s, partly cloudy skies. I'm Matt Johnson. 39 degrees now. KSL's top national stories from ABC News. The deliberating in the double murder trial of South Carolina lawyer Alex Murdoch. The judge has already told us that this jury, until they come back with a verdict, may be deliberating through the weekend. They've already made plans for weekend deliberation. So until they have a verdict... They will be delivering. ABC's Eva Pilgrim in Walterboro. A Pennsylvania man making a virtual appearance in court just days after an explosive device was found in his checked luggage at Lehigh Valley International Airport. President Biden lunched with Senate Democrats on Capitol Hill. We had a great meeting. We talked about implementing the great accomplishments of the president in the last two years. We believe we can get a lot of good bipartisan stuff done in these two years. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the House Ethics Committee, is forming an investigative subcommittee to look into allegations against New York Congressman George Santos. The California National Guard is preparing to send a helicopter to residents who are stranded by snow in San Bernardino County. Daria Albinger, ABC. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
Time for the KSL In-Depth. There are still unanswered questions after yesterday's officer-involved shooting in Farmington. And joining us live in the studio now, our KSL legal expert, Greg Scordis. Greg, if you don't mind, could you explain to me why we're asking these questions of you? Do you have experience in this realm? Yeah. Well, so, Jeff, when I was at the district attorney's office, I was charged with investigating officer-involved shootings. And now I represent several, two of the largest police unions in the state. So I get called out when officers are involved in what we call critical incident or use of force as as their representative, as their assistant in, in that investigation. Okay. So Greg, you've been around the block with this. So let me first ask you about a command over police radio yesterday afternoon, shortly after the shooting, we got a hold of the audio of this on our assignment desk. They heard this in real time, the command to officers on the scene to shut off their body cams. Greg, what is that all about? It's about something that probably shouldn't have happened, and, and it's, it's contrary, Jeff, to state law, which articulates when and under what circumstances an officer should have their body cam, which is basically all the time during the entire investigation, and Farmington City's own policies and procedures. We looked into those, and there's nothing in there that says at some point during an investigation you shut off the body cams. That was an order, and I'll, I'll give the, the police the benefit of the doubt because there's still an investigation. But that's a highly unusual thing to do or say, and it certainly raises a lot of red flags. Why would you want the body cams on after the site is secured and the shooting is over? Because I think the officers want transparency. Any officer that's involved in something like this is going to want everything made available to the investigators to clear him or her from their use of force. And that includes the forensics that are found afterwards, the bullet fragments, the blood spatter, those type of things. And that type of stuff... It doesn't end when the when the trigger's pulled. The investigation continues, and that information is going to be important not only for the officers uh, own own uh, you know whether or not they're going to keep their career or be charged with a job for something they did on the job, but the county attorney is going to want as much of that information as possible when he the, the Davis County attorney is looking into whether or not this use of force was justified under Utah criminal law. Sorry, I'm Michael's off. The, uh, there is another aspect of this. Uh, that is really, I wouldn't say troubling or questionable, but the police chief in a news conference an hour and a half later said that there, uh, that the investigation into a possible gun by the suspect. An hour and a half later, don't they know if the guy had a gun? Oh, they know, they knew a minute and a half later whether or not he had a gun. And what's important in a case like this is that when the officers used their force, when they fired, and, and ultimately, of course, this young man was killed, they had to have had the reasonable uh, thought in their mind based on all the circumstances that either their life or a life of another person was in jeopardy because you can't use deadly force unless you feel that deadly force is justified under the circumstances as they appeared to the officer at that moment and that is to say someone else's life or your own if you're the police officer behind that gun was was in jeopardy and you had to use deadly force to prevent another's use of deadly force i think we can agree we don't understand the full circumstances and certainly the investigation is just beginning but when will we find out more information i think this one should wrap up fairly soon and i say that partly jeff because we've got 20 percent of the farmington city police department on paid administrative leave so they're going to want to wrap this up good the davis county attorney is certainly uh, very skilled at this type of thing. He's done this investigation before. I mean, we're in we're in the first of March. I think this will be wrapped up before this month is over. Thanks a lot, KSL's legal analyst Greg Scordis joining us live. We appreciate your insight. 
two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.